Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and those who don't identify as either, you are listening to Ratchet and Respectable with Demetria L. Lucas. <laughs> Remember I told y'all last week that I'm like obsessed with notebooks and I'm like constantly making lists? I had a whole list of things that I had to do today before I leave tomorrow. I told you I was going to see the elephants, I'm going to see the elephants in the morning. But I had this whole list of things that I had to do today and it was quite extensive and I managed to get it all done. I was quite pleased with myself and I was going to tell y'all all about it, including how I went to get my wax because where I'm going to see the elephants is a whole resort and I want to be at the pool. But you know, I, can, I can't be at the pool if I haven't taken care of certain things. So one of the things on my list of things to do today was get this wax and I got this wax and she waxed it and she, she brought out scissors for it and she brought out tweezers for it. And then she also brought out thread and started threading it. So the remainder of what is left is like, it's, it's, it's crisp. It's crisper than the best shape up you've ever seen. I took a picture of it. I ain't going to share it with nobody. It's just for my own personal amusement. I was like, that's clean. That's clean. But I was going to tell y'all all about this beauty spa and this process. And I was going to tell y'all about the eight hour date. Remember I told you about the guy who asked for the key to my place. And I was like, only people who pay bills get keys. And he was like, what's the rent? And I was like, sir, sir. He was joking, by the way. He, he was a nice guy. Like he wasn't aggressive and mean and whatever. But he hit me up like a few times. He asked me out for Saturday and it was very last minute. He lives like a bit outside the city. And I was like, no, I I don't think I can pull off Saturday. And he was like, well, then tomorrow, can I take you to brunch? So I was like, yeah, we can go to brunch. So we went to a really cute brunch spot. And then we ended up on this like eight hour date. Like we went all over the city. City. We went up into the hills. Aburi, Aburi. It's like 30 minutes north of Accra. And it looks like the Hollywood Hills. Once you get up in the hills, they have these big ass houses. Think like the Hollywood Hills, if you've been to LA, where they have those houses that are the size of hotels. Ghana got that too. Big ass houses overlooking Accra. The views during the day are gorgeous. The views at night are gorgeous. The resort we went to was really secluded. It wasn't the one facing the cities. So I didn't get to see the sunset over Accra. But there are a couple other resorts up that way that I hope to see while I'm here. So yeah, but I was going to tell you all about that. But I got this message and it was a very sweet message as far as like critiques go. go so I have no issue with it. But the woman said, um, literally, I'll read it to you. I genuinely love this podcast and she gave it five stars. But she also said dot, dot, dot. Lately, it is really in all caps, light on the pop culture analysis and very heavy all caps on her personal stories. So my bad, y'all. I I moved out to Ghana and like it's life changing for me and I'm really excited to be here and I've been sharing my stories about my life in Accra and trying to figure out my plans for Accra and talking about the places I go and people I meet. I thought folks found it interesting. I mean, the numbers are up for the podcast in a big way. I mean, literally they're up 20% since I got here. So I was like, oh, people like the Ghana stories, but maybe you don't. Or maybe they're just too long. I don't know. But we can totally like get rid of them. I can keep the Ghana stories to a minimum. I cannot talk about myself at all. I have a whole format for the podcast. Part of it is the first segment that I tell you about my life. But maybe I don't want to hear it. And that's fine. We can totally talk about other things. Lord knows there's enough to talk about. Speaking of which, one of the things we need to talk about is 
Tiffany Haddish and Aries Spears. Last week, we talked about this lawsuit that was filed against both of them. If you don't know what I'm talking about, either go listen to the last episode, actually listen to the last episode and read the nightmarish because that's what Daily Beast called it. But this nightmarish expose that the Daily Beast wrote based on the details of the lawsuit. It's really, really bad. The lawsuit is based on a pair of videos had that Tiffany and Aries produced and acted in. One of them involved a then 14-year-old girl and another one a then 7-year-old boy. The Daily Beast had seen at least one of the videos, the one involving the 7-year-old. The way they described it in the article was really, really bad. And I was like, you know what? It sounds terrible. I want to give Tiffany Haddish the benefit of the doubt. And by extension, Aerie Spears, because what they're describing sounds absolutely awful. And I would never want that to happen to my child. So I said last episode, I said, let's see the video. The internet is undefeated. Twitter always does as it does. It never lets me down. And it didn't this time either. I said last week, holy Twitter, activate. By the time the episode went up, the video was circulating all over the place. An edited version, which I did appreciate because it's a, it's a little boy in his underwear. The first video that I saw, somebody had put a, um, a picture of a bear. It was a rectangle of a bear over the little boy. So you could get a gist of what was happening, but it wasn't showcasing the child's body, which I, 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 which I definitely appreciated, especially after I saw the unedited video. And I was like, the Daily Beast description was bad enough to see the video. I was like, oh my God, oh my God. There were a couple times that my mouth dropped. I was actually kind of surprised at some of the details that the Daily Beast left out. I, I actually appreciate them for doing so because it would have made the story more salacious and it didn't need to be. It was bad enough as is. So I watched the video and if you have absolutely no clue what I'm talking about, the idea of this video was a mom asked her brother or uncle to watch her seven-year-old son while she goes to run errands. And Aerie Spears plays the male family member and he is a pedophile and he's reading this newspaper And at some point, he drops the outer layer of the newspaper, like the front page or something. And the remaining page has two peepholes cut out where Aerie Spears' eyes are. So the little boy is playing with a truck on the floor. And Aerie Spears is peering at him either through these peepholes or over the top of the newspaper or over the side of the newspaper. And again, this is a seven-year-old boy in his underwear playing with a truck on the floor. The part that confused me, I was like, I could see maybe like a small baby, like a one-year-old, maybe a two-year-old just sitting around the house with like no clothes on. But I was like, at seven, you would have your clothes on, no? You're not sitting in the house in a parka, but you would have on like a shirt and some shorts. And I guess in, in their heads as producers, I'm not saying this makes sense to me as somebody who viewed it, but I guess they were trying to emphasize the pedophile nature of it. So at one point, the camera zooms in on the child's bottom, he's physically covered, but it's just like, it's, it's looking at a kid's bottom in a sexual way. I don't know how to explain it. It's like the, 
the gaze of the camera, the camera, it's the angle, it's the way it lingers. Like it just feels like yuck. There's another part of it where the kid is, and, but and the Daily Beast described it and seeing it was far worse than even the description. But the kid is playing with this truck and he's moving his hand up and down it like he's, like the truck is a, his penis and he's masturbating. Like he's doing like the hand jerk on the truck. And I was like, whose idea was this? I know this seven-year-old has no clue what he's doing. Like he's seven. He doesn't get it. Seeing a seven-year-old make hand jerk motions like he's masturbating. I feel gross even saying it and describing it. Like my mouth feels despicable just to say it. What the fuck were y'all thinking? The part that really got me. And this is just the part that I saw. I know there's another, there's another video or part of video that I didn't see that got cut off. But the part that really got me is that one point in the video when Aerie Spears is like leering at this child, he starts like licking at the child. Like think about like some, you know how like when you were a teenager, you're walking down the street and old and like gross old men might like lick out their tongue at you or something. He's doing that to the seven-year-old. And I, it was just... I don't know what they were thinking. I was like, if you were trying to make a PSA about pedophilia or, and, and again, at the end of the video and the version that I saw didn't show it all the way through. And at the end of the video, there is a, a caption that pops up that says like something like watch who you leave your kids with. And I was like, if y'all were trying to create a PSA about sexual abuse or child molestation or literally like watch who you leave your children with. Like if you really wanted to drive that message home, it's, it's a good intent, horribly executed. If for nothing else, the biggest reason you didn't inform the kid's mom of what was going on. I think that's the part that bothers me. I can't say the most, but it bothers me significantly because According to the Daily Beast, Tiffany Haddish had a personal relationship with the children's mom. Like she was familiar with the kids. The kids trusted her. The mother trusted her. Hence why when she said, hey, me and my friend are making these skits. Can the kids come participate? The mom was like, sure. There was no way in hell this woman could have reasonably expected. You're going to ask my child to take all his clothes off. And, and participate in some ad or sketch or skit, whatever it is, about pedophilia. And then masturbate a fucking truck. Like, huh? If that's what you wanted to do, you should have said to your friend, hey, me and my friend are, are working on this PSA and it's really sensitive and it's really sensitive subject matter. So I wanted to know if XYZ could participate, but I wanted to make sure that it was okay with you because of the content, the kind of content that we're creating. And if it's okay with you, it would be best if you were on set just to make sure you're comfortable with what we're doing. Is that so hard? In the lawsuit, the girl, the older sister of the little boy, she's got private, she's, um, she's his legal guardian now. She's suing Tiffany Haddish and Aries Spears. And she said that, that Tiffany had, that Tiffany told their mom that they were, that he was shooting some sort of commercial or audition for Nickelodeon. Like you hear Nickelodeon, you know, it's a little racier than Disney, but it's still within proper child boundaries. You don't think Nickelodeon, you don't. You don't hear Nickelodeon and think pedophilia. Like, if I heard Nickelodeon, I would assume it was on the up and up. But 
that's not at all what it was. And I'm like, if that was your, if, and if that was your intent to shoot something like that, if the content changed, you needed to give mom a heads up, like at the very least, or just be like, you know what? Or, or if you thought the kid's mom wouldn't let him participate, if you told her what was going on, then you had no business doing it. We talked about it last week and I told you that Aerie Spears and Tiffany Haddish had both denied the allegations. I don't know that Aerie Spears has said anything since then. I don't know if Aerie Spears has said anything since the lawsuit. We talked about how he settled, um, how he settled out of court because this is not the first time that it, I, this is not the first time that this has come up, but he settled with the family previously. Tiffany Haddish did not. But Tiffany Haddish put out a statement today. I don't know really if it was necessary. It was a lot of nothing. She said, I know people have a bunch of questions. I get it. She wrote, quote, I know people have a bunch of questions. I get it. I'm right there with you. Unfortunately, because this is an ongoing legal case, there's very little I can say right now. But clearly, while this sketch was intended to be comedic, it wasn't funny at all, which I agree. She continues, and I deeply regret having agreed to act in it. She's backing away from being a producer on it, which is alleged in the lawsuit. She continues, I really look forward to being able to share a lot more about this situation as soon as I can. Like I said, it's a statement that doesn't really say anything. Um, it does acknowledge it wasn't funny, but I'm just trying to figure out like how your, how your funny meter was that far off that you thought like a seven-year-old in his drawers masturbating a truck was, was going to get a ha-ha from anyone. I was trying to give her the benefit of the doubt to say it was some sort of a PSA. And she says, no, it was intended to be funny. Sis, you should have stayed with the PSA route. Because this, this, this ain't it. I like Tiffany Haddish. I haven't always been um, the biggest fan. When she first got on the scene, she was a little rough around the edges. She did a couple things that drove me nuts. Like that jumping over the, um, the rope. I think it was at the Oscars. I was like, you are invited here. You are a major guest. You are a star. Why are you jumping over a rope to like genuflect to some white chick who doesn't even know your name? I was just appalled by it. But she's done a lot better as of late. So I don't know. This is one of those things where because I like her, I don't want to go in on her. But also she's dead ass wrong for this. Aerie Spears can eat a dick. He deserves this shit. After he unsolicited went after Lizzo, it wasn't like Lizzo was being shady towards him. And then he like clapped back in a major way, went for the jugular. Lizzo was minding her business and being great. And then he just hopped out there and was like, she looks like shit. Literally like shit. I was like, nigga, you look like shit. Literally like shit. Did Lizzo just win an Emmy? I know her TV show did. I know one of the producers on the show. Remember she had the show that was a competition for big girls? I saw my friend posing with her Emmy and she was an executive producer on the show. I'm looking this up now. Oh, I'm sorry. Okay, 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 okay. Lizzo's Amazon Prime video reality series. Watch out for the big girls. Watch out for the big girls. Watch out for the big girls. Won two awards for outstanding directing for a reality program. That's my friend. And outstanding picture editing for a structured reality or competition program. That counts as two Emmys. Yeah. I'm going to say Lizzo got two Emmys. It makes me happy. Meanwhile, in the, in the time since Aerie Spears opened his mouth to speak about Lizzo, 
She's earned at least one VMA. I didn't watch the VMAs because who are these people? I heard the Nikki performance was okay. I haven't gone to watch it yet. I just, I'm not the biggest Nikki fan. I'm not not a Nikki fan, but I'm not a Nikki fan. That's not the point. The point is, since Aerie Spears has opened his mouth to speak about Lizzo, she has won at least one VMA and two Emmys. Don't play with God's children. Lizzo out here, Lizzo out here with the energy of a plus-size Tabitha. Some of God's children you just need to leave alone. Lizzo and Tabitha might be two of them. Speaking of Tabitha, you know I love Tabitha Brown. I think maybe because I watched her rise, and I didn't watch it from the beginning, but I tuned in before Wendy said something about her. And that's kind of when Tabitha popped. Really, when Wendy spoke about her, like I and everyone I know, I think knew who Tabitha Brown was. But my mama didn't know. But when Wendy spoke about her, that's when my mom called me and was like, who is this woman with this Afro and this country accent who don't eat no meat? <laughs> I was like, you mean Tabitha? And she said, I don't know her name. And she said, her husband don't work. I said, mommy. <laughs> I had to explain to my mom what the issue was. And she was like, oh, okay. But Tabitha, I mean, Tabitha is still happy, but Tabitha had, you can't say Tabitha's unhappy. It was a read. If you were to ask Tabitha what it was, she would say, it's not a read. I didn't mean it as a read. That wasn't, I, that's not what I was trying to do. Tabitha always keeps it classy. Even when sis says it ain't a read and she says it in such a nice way, I'm like, but, but, but you know, that's still a read, right? You may not know. I know. She might've took the video down. I don't see it. Nope, nope, nope. Nope, nope, nope. I didn't scroll back far enough. Okay. This happened on August 24th. I didn't get a chance to talk about it. Maybe because I was talking about my life in Ghana too much. (laughs) My bad. But Tabitha has a show on the Food Network. I'm going to tell you what she wrote in a second. She did a video and then she had a caption to go along with the video that basically said the same thing she said in the videos. But the end of the caption, she reminds people that her Food Network show, it's called It's Complicated. It's a vegan cooking competition show, which I think works for her. But she let people know that the show has been changed to Tuesdays at 1 p.m. on the Food Network, and it can still be streamed on Discovery+. Plus. So that's just information that she shared after she said this. So I'm going to read this part, and then we're going back to the Food Network part. She said, uh, quote, one more time for the people in the back. She put up a little heart emoji to make it soft, make it sound soft, come from a place of love. She said, I've had to break down a lot of walls and barriers to get to my freedom. To walk proudly and confident in my truth is still an everyday pursuit. I'm not going to change. I'm also not going to be quiet about when things feel wrong. I always come from my heart and I'm very direct and honest. In the entertainment world, I know that's frowned upon, especially coming from a woman. Sometimes my niceness makes people think I'm weak, but I'm not. I will keep speaking up for myself. God is my network, and he said I've been created for such a time as this, and I've said yes to the assignment. Oh God, I thank you for trusting me with this journey. Family, thank y'all for loving me and supporting me just for being me. I love y'all. She writes, thank you to all the partners that I work with that truly see me for me. I appreciate you. To those that don't see me for me, but see me only for their benefit, 
I see you. And then she went ahead and announced the new, the new time slot for her Food Network show. So everyone thought that something happened with the Food Network. I hope the Food Network is not playing with her. I can't say that I've watched the show. I'm just not like a big Food Network person. I also don't think I get the Food Network over here. But I would have gave it a whirl on Discovery Plus when the season was finished. Like, I like Tabitha. Like, I think she's good energy. I think she's fun. I had to dig all up and through the lady's life when I wrote a feature on her for Essence. All she really do is, is hang out with her family, cook her vegan food. She, she plays with her hair, Donna. She go love on her daddy whenever she can. She do her kids show, the, the, the reiteration of Mr. Rogers. She don't bother nobody. She's very, to me, she's very unproblematic. She's a breath of fresh air. I've seen criticisms of her. People found out that she was 43 and was like, she's, uh, she acts much older. And she's, you know, giving big auntie energy when she's, you know, barely auntie. And I was like, I was like, keep that energy. Keep that part of the energy. Because I don't like being called auntie. If you're over 25, don't call me auntie. I will correct you sharply. But no, I've seen the criticisms of her. Look, I'm going to tell you this about Tabitha, right? I like to think that I'm a good judge of character. If Tabitha is acting, if, if the colorful dresses, the hair, the earrings, the dialect, the Southern dialect, if all of this is an act, give this woman a daytime Emmy. Give it to her immediately. Acknowledge her acting skills and put her on TV and film with haste. Give her meaty acting roles and let her sink her teeth into them. If she's faking it, she needs a goddamn Emmy. And if you don't want to get a woman an Emmy right now today, then just acknowledge that she's authentic and she's built a huge platform that people literally buy into, not just as an idea like, oh, we'll just follow Tabitha and like we think she's great. We have warm feelings. No, when she releases products, they sell out immediately. The woman had a line in Target. It sold out in a weekend. Remember she had the seasoning and all them seasonings sold out in a couple minutes? Let that lady be. She has a built-in audience who will follow her anywhere. I'm sitting up here talking about I'm going to watch Discovery and the Food Network. When you ever heard me talk about one, cooking, two, the fucking Food Network. Engage that woman to work with your brands and let the money roll in. Stop trying to fix shit that ain't broke. She didn't say exactly what people asked her to change. I hope they didn't try to tell that black woman in the year of our Lord 2022 to change her hair. I hope that wasn't what it was. Clean up the dialect. I mean, that's her. If Tabitha started speaking without her dialect, I'd be like, who that? Y'all know how y'all do me when I do the commercials? <laughs> y'all be like, whose voice are you using for these commercials? Why are you reading the ads like that? I know, I know. It's actually so you could distinguish between my ads and the commentary. That was my, that was my thinking for it. The leave Tabitha alone, please. I don't want to see no different version of Tabitha. And honestly, I mean, Tabitha never said directly it was the Food Network who was talking this shit. But to be clear, the Food Network needs Tabitha more than Tabitha needs them. It's the least interesting of her many projects. And really, Tabitha, like, I mean, it's a food competition show. It's very cute. Like, I'm happy. I want black women to get her check. If that's her dream, I want her to have it. But really, she just could have kept cooking on Instagram and YouTube, and I would have been fine. I don't make none of that stuff. I like the idea of it. Like, someday I'm going to make, like, a mushroom burger. I have before. I was vegan for a while, like, a long time ago. I got really skinny, and my head looked huge. Not the point. I'm not talking about myself today. But I like her videos. I just like her. And a whole bunch of other people do. Like millions of them. That have money and disposable income to spend. Let that lady be.
I finally read that article about Megan in The Cut. I've been hinting at it for the last couple of weeks. I still haven't listened to the podcast that she did with Serena. I heard there's a second episode with, um, what's the girl's name? Mindy? Mindy, who made the good show that everybody loves. Mindy. Indian American Mindy. You know what I'm talking about. But she did this article with The Cut as promo for her new podcast, which is called Archetypes. And I finally did read it. My biggest takeaway is Megan looks really beautiful in the photos. She looks very princessy. It didn't land well with me. And I think part of it is that, one, I didn't learn anything particularly new about her other than, okay, she's doing a podcast and here are the people that are going to be participating in it. One of them is Issa Rae, which I look forward to that episode. Tyler Perry comes up a bunch. I knew Tyler Perry had offered his home to Harry and Meghan when they left, not the UK. Remember they moved from the UK and they moved to Canada and there were some issues with them being in Canada. That house in Canada was beautiful, but there were some issues, some security issues with them being in Canada and they didn't know what they were going to do. I think they didn't have any money at the time to get like a, a, I shouldn't say a decent house, but the kind of house that someone with their kind of fame and security needs should live in. It needs to be a controlled environment, not in the center of everything. So I knew Tyler Perry had offered them his home and she shares that story. We did a whole segment one episode on how I feel about Tyler Perry and how I had to back off criticizing him for some of the movies that he made and the images of black people that he puts out because in his personal life, he does so much good for black folk. But Megan says here, she said she'd never met Tyler Perry in person, but he'd reached out when she and Harry got married to say that he was praying for her and quote, that he understood what this meant. So black American woman marrying into the royal family. She also quotes him as saying he could only imagine what her life was like. He told Megan to call if she ever needed support or advice. So when things were falling apart in Canada, she said it took her a long time to call him, but she did. And she said she found herself telling him every detail of their situation in Canada. Quote, sometimes you can tell your life story to a stranger on a plane as opposed to some of the people that are closest to you. The, the cut editorializes in a plot twist that I may never get over. Perry offered Megan one of his homes, a literal safe house in Beverly Hills, complete with a security detail. And it became, in many ways, the reason that Megan and Harry started their new life in Southern California. So most of this article, there's a, there's a blip in the article about Megan's podcast. They note that, scrolling now, and I want to find the other names that are going to be in this podcast. And I think it's worth mentioning, mentioning that I'm scrolling like a good four-fifths of the way through the article in order to get to what should have been the nut graph of this podcast and who all is going to be participating in it. Constance Wu, Issa Rae, Lisa Ling, Margaret Cho, and Zewi, Zewi, Z-I-W-E. I'm not familiar with who that is. Nine-tenths of the article is about Megan and the royal family and her issues with the royal family, things that she endured. There's also a note that Tyler Perry bought her a massive grand piano as a housewarming gift. But a lot of this article is, is her experience with the royal family, Megan taking these jabs at the royal family. The last part of the essay is her talking about forgiveness for all that she's been through with the royals 
And she says, you know, quote, it takes a lot to forgive. I've really made an active effort, especially knowing that I can say anything. She says, I have a lot to say until I don't. Do you like that? Sometimes, as they say, the silent part is still part of the song. She also says somewhere else in the article, she says, it's interesting. I've never had to sign anything that restricts me from talking. I can talk about my whole experience and make a choice not to. The interviewer asked why she doesn't talk. And she says, quote, still healing. Look, I know she went through hell in her experience with the royal family. And, I, and I'm sure it's very hard to move on because I'm sure they take jabs at her that we might not see. Maybe there are things that are more subtle inside things or things that they restrict her from doing. They're the royals to us, but they are literally blood to Harry, her husband, and they are the relatives of her children. So she has to deal with them in some capacity. So I'm sure there are things that go on behind the scenes too that annoy her. I just, this long ass article, I don't think it did anything for her image. And I like Megan. One of the criticisms of Megan, and there are many, I think most of them are, are very petty. One of the criticisms that I think genuinely does stick is she wants the fame from being a royal, but she doesn't want the responsibility. And I get it. You want your cake and to eat it too. I get it. But this whole article, and, and you know, she didn't write the article. A lot of it is editorializing on, on behalf of the cut to give context. But it's like, if you want to be a royal, be a royal. And if you don't want to be a royal, then be out of it. I'm trying to play both sides. Like I get why business-wise, you kind of need to still have some association to keep yourself pretty relevant. But also, if you're out, you got to be out. Like you can't, I mean, you can because she's doing it. But it's like, you don't want nothing to do with these people. But then you don't really talk about anything but these people. Like you, you got to choose. I mean, you don't because she's not. But for me, in order to make her go over better, I feel like she's got to choose. She also just comes off really in this article is like very, I don't know, unrelatable. And I can't put my finger on exactly why. I think it's because she doesn't really say anything that's, that's really too controversial. The interviewer points out that she's, you know, been media trained and then also royal media trained. I think the underpinning of, of noting that is to point out that she feels the conversations with her feel very produced. Many times in the article, the interviewer points out, she asks questions and, and Megan pivots. As someone who's also been media trained, one of the things that PR people always tell you is to tell people what you want them to know, no matter what the question is. If you're doing an interview, there should be a list of things that you're willing to share and that you want a person to know. So just make sure you work them into the interview. If they don't ask you the, the direct question, just make sure you just start talking about it so that it's, it's a quote that's on record. Megan seems to have done that many times in this interview. I don't know. She doesn't come across bad. So maybe, okay, this is what I'm responding to. She's trying to give you this all shucks, every girl, anybody can relate to me kind of demeanor but she's also even if she can't use the title very much a duchess and married to a member of the royal family a prominent member of the royal family like there's one point where she starts talking about how they had to find this house because they were you know staying at this tyler perry house and then they had to you know figure out where to live 
And she was like, oh, we saw this house and we didn't think we could afford it, but I really love this house and it gave this great energy. But the house she's talking about is like $14.6 million. And so she's trying to do this like sort of, oh, shucks, we're just like everyone else. And you're not. Some people would say you're famous. Other people would say you're infamous. She seems to be trying to downplay that into this all shucks girl next door type of thing. And it's like, I, it just doesn't work for me. It's not bad. She's not unlikable. At the point you were talking about, you really like this house. You were too broke to afford a 14.65 million house. But then within a matter of a year, you get a $25 million deal from Spotify and then another $100 million from Netflix. You, you're not like everybody else. And it's okay. I'm not saying don't be thankful for the life that you have and that you're living. But just at some point, you got to just, I don't know, this all shucks. I'm just like you. Like me and you are the same. I mean, in, in the fact that we're all God's children and we all bleed red, but you're not, sis. I'm not saying play small. I think that's what's annoying is like she's trying to play small, but then she has this really big life. I don't know. I didn't really care for the article. And I saw like a lot of the criticism that people have about her being um, self-absorbed and things like that. I mean, I, it, it, this ain't helping. I'm not saying she said anything bad. I'm just saying like for the people that think you're a narcissist, like this whole article gives them ammo. It just, I don't know. It doesn't come across well to me. Like, I didn't read it and be like, oh, Megan's the best. I just, I read it and I was like, you probably should have sat this one out, sis. It just, everything just seems so contrived. Also, nothing about this article. I mean, I mean, and this specifically said that the reason that Megan sat for the article is because she has this new deal with Spotify and this new podcast that she's trying to push. Nothing about reading this article makes me want to go listen to her podcast. And I was actually interested in hearing the podcast. Like, the reason I haven't listened to it is just because I haven't had a lot of downtime lately. But reading this article doesn't make me think, let me go listen to, to Megan's pod. It just, Mindy Kaling, that's her name. Jesus, it was driving me nuts. Oh my God, it was driving me crazy. I'm not listening to that one either. I was more interested in Megan before I read this article than not. Womp. Is there anything else big going on? There's stuff, like a bunch of new shows are coming back on. Queen Sugar is coming back. Handmaid's Tale is coming back. I saw Honk for Jesus just dropped. I can't get access to it here. It's not in theaters. Somebody told me it was on Peacock. I can't access Peacock even with my VPN. So hopefully somebody will send it to me at some point or another. Or it'll come out over here. But I don't have access to it to do a review on it. I was supposed to interview Sterling K. Brown and Regina Hall for the podcast. The publicist for the film had reached out to me. I told them I was down. But we just couldn't work out times and dates. So womp womp. Last but not least, we skipped good black news this week unintentionally. Serena, the Serena, the GOAT, is, is done with tennis. She made it to the fourth round, I read, because I haven't watched any of the matches. And she simply said that the other player just outplayed her. And that was that. Serena's life as a professional tennis player has come to an end. I feel really sad about it. Like, I'm not even a huge tennis fan. I'm a Serena fan. But I feel like I'm taking this harder than I expected. But I really feel like a sense of loss that I wasn't expecting to feel. It's very weird. Totally not what I expected. But what I'm feeling nonetheless. So congratulations to Serena. We talked about all of her excellence on a previous episode. I don't need to recount it. It all still stands. I wish her the best of luck on her future endeavors. I know she's doing like a venture capitalist, angel investor type thing. So I look forward to seeing more from her and her cutie pie daughter, 
little Olympia. She's just absolutely adorable. She's a cute, cute, cute kid. I saw some video of her sitting in the stands. I, she was she was with she was sitting next to her father, but I guess she was acting up. Her grandmother, Serena's mom, Olympia did something. Her whole body disposition. Look, baby Olympia better get it together. She about to get it from grandma. I've seen that motion before. Every black person who saw that video clip of the grandmother leaning in knew exactly what's about to happen next if she ain't straightened up. She turned her little self around, put her lollipop in her mouth, and sat still. I was like, yes, thank you, baby. That's for the best. It's best that you listen. Your parents might be on some new age shit. Your grandma not. I can just tell from the body language. She, she's still about that life. So that's it for this episode. I am headed to see the elephants. I will be in the middle of nowhere. I'm very much hoping that I have a Wi-Fi signal. I'm going to record an episode. I'm taking all of my equipment. I very much hope that I have a Wi-Fi signal and I can upload it. That is my hope. That is my plan. Also have a hotspot with my phone. So again, hopes and plans. Hopefully everything goes accordingly and I will speak to you on Friday. Talk soon. Okay, bye.